gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, The Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, Superman Forever Radio, The Superman Vidcast, The World's Best Podcast, The SFR Daily Planet, and Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com, as well as the audio dramas Superman, Last Son of Krypton, and Supergirl, Last Daughter of Krypton, from Pendant Audio Productions. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, J. David Weeder, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. Welcome, one and all, to episode 26 of Superman of the Bronze Age, the only podcast covering Superman's adventures from 1970 to 1986. I am your humble host, Charlie Niemeyer, and I want to issue an apology. Last episode was my 25th episode, and I completely forgot to actually thank you guys, my adoring public, for listening to the show in the first place. Honestly, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be doing this at all, and it still amazes me that people are actually downloading this show from all over the world. So I want to thank everyone for downloading and for listening and for continuing to, well, do so over and over again. And I'm really excited because I'm start, I feel like this show is really starting to move up in the world. For example, uh, since last episode was posted, um, even though I've had it in my show notes since probably episode, what, one, maybe, uh, to have, if you'd be interested in co-hosting an episode, to just email me. Basically, I've only had one person the whole time. Uh, that was Michael Bradley, who was on, I believe it was episode 17. And now, and just since the last episode posted, I had four people, uh, tell me they would like to be on the show. So that was pretty cool. And, um, I could tell you who they are, <laughs> but I think I'll save that for a little later. Needless to say, this show is going to have some pretty super guests in the next couple months. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to PQ River, who hosts a show called Night Project, which is one of the shows on Overnightscape Underground at onsug.com, which is spelled O-N-S-U-G.com. The show is like a compilation show, and he likes this show enough that he's actually included the entirety of episode 22, which was my first episode covering the Jimmy Olsen comics, 
on his latest episode. So I want to thank you for that, PQ. Uh, next up, we have an email from, and I say we like there's more than one person here, sitting here, but it's just me. Um, I have an email from Michael Bradley, uh, host of Thrilling Adventures of Superman, and also my guest on episode 27. Look at, or episode 27. Well, that's yeah. No, he's not going to be on 27, but he was on 17. So he writes in. Uh, it's titled Flashback. And he said, he writes, I wanted to drop you a note to let you know I've enjoyed the recap of the Kirby, Erich, and Nielsen issues. I own these issues via the Fourth World Omnibus hardcovers, but it has been a while since I've read them, so it's nice to get a recap so we are prepped for what's coming. Happy to see the re uh, regular format return with the episode just released, though, but changing things up in order to get us better equipped for the road ahead was a great idea. Keep up the good work on the show, Michael. And, uh... Thank you for writing in, Michael. Uh, yes, I also forgot to mention this last episode because I am really awesome at such things. But uh, I, I'm, I'm basically what I'm doing is uh, I didn't plan well enough ahead. Once again, uh, are you noticing that about me? Um, basically, what has happened is that it turns out that there was about four more months of Superman books before we get to the end of the Morgan Edge subplot, and I jumped too early to go to the beginning of it. So basically, uh, for the next few episodes, we're going to do a little bit of a back and forth. The even number issues will cover Jimmy, and the odd numbers will continue the regular our regular scheduled broadcast. There will be one issue or one episode that will specifically cover Lois Lane because the subplot jumps to her bulk for a couple issues, and then everything should come together in one nice present of an episode which if everything works out correctly should be episode 31 so fingers crossed it'll work out there uh next and this is kind of exciting for me i would like to proudly announce that this episode of superman in the bronze age is brought to you by instocktrades.com your one-stop shop for showcases essentials trades hardcovers and more at all up to 42% off the cover price. An example of the savings you'll find are Jimmy Olsen Adventures of Jack or Adventures by Jack Kirby Volume 1 Trade Paperback, which actually collects Jimmy Olsen 133 through 139 as well as issue 141. It has a cover price of 19.95, but it in stock trades. You can get it for $12.37, which is 38% off the cover price. And also uh, the show is brought, brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, uh, which is at DCBService.com. And they are currently running a special to get the second issue of all 52 titles in the DC New Universe for only $79.74, which is half off the cover price. So please make sure you check them out. And now I'm going to play a couple promos, and we'll get into this week's issues. After these messages... We'll be right back. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. Faster than a speeding bullet. Thrilling Adventures of Superman, 
A journey through the golden age of the Man of Steel in comics, radio, and film. Available at GreatCrypton.com You are cordially invited to attend a podcast that observes the unfolding events of history. Come with me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. From the pages of a 10-cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. Witness the dawn of the superhero. Superman. Available on iTunes and at goldenagesuperman.libson.com Every legend has a beginning. Okay, so our first issue this month or this week is Jimmy Olsen number 139 which had a cover date of July 1971 and was released on May 25th, 1971 with a cover price of just 15 cents. The title of this, uh, the cover is by Jack Kirby and Vince Coletta with Murphy Anderson doing the Superman and Jimmy heads. Uh, so this time we get uh, some Kirby, we get Kirby art with Coletta, which I don't think we've had too much on the covers. Um, and there appears to be a painting in black and white on this cover of Don Rickles, uh, but it's actually a caricature, caricature, but it's actually a caricature. So, you know, it's not really perfect representation of them. Uh, and this would all look really cool if it wasn't for the jarring bright yellow background, which actually hurts the eyes a little bit. Um, I don't know if they, maybe if they put like an actual background on it or used a different, a more muted yellow, uh, it would have been better, but it really hurts the eyes. Although, since this and the uh, Mr. Miracle number three, which also came out this month, um, were the only books that had yellow in the background, I'm pretty sure that it would have been noticeable. The title of this story is The Guardian Fights Again, written, drawn, and edited by Jack Kirby and inked by Vince Coletta, and the Superman and Jimmy Olsen heads were inked by Murphy Anderson. So... We begin our story as the Guardian is getting a complete physical, and other than some weird unidentified brain activity, is cleared to leave the project and go to Metropolis. However, Gabby has apparently come down with a cold, so all of the news all of the newsboys have to stay in quarantine at the project to prevent further spread until Gabby is cured. Superman, Jimmy, and Guardian leave the project and see for the first time the aftermath of the attack of the four armed terrors. Habitat has been destroyed. The Outsiders are gone, and the Magnetic Rock is out of commission. Once they have left the wild area, Superman zooms ahead at faster than light speed to Clark Kent's apartment. Jimmy and Guardian land the Wizwagon on the roof and head to Clark's apartment. Jimmy introduces Guardian to Clark, then fills Kent in on what has been going on the last few issues. Jimmy and Clark then decide to go see Morgan Edge to, to get some questions answered. Meanwhile, back at the project, the newsboys voice their frustrations at being stuck at the project. Um, as the as the doctor, 
the adult Tommy leaves a miniature scrapper trooper. Uh, as, doc, as the doctor, who is actually an adult Tommy, leaves, a miniature scrapper trooper reveals himself. Turns out he had somehow been hiding in Scrapper's hair and wants to help them get out of the building, or get out of the project. Uh, back at the WGBS building, Morgan Edge returns to his office after the events of last issue. Miss Conway informs him that Clark and Jimmy wish to see him. Also, we learn that Edge is trying to get Don Rickles under contract with the network, and that there is a man in the WGBS research department named Goody Rickles, who looks just like the famous celebrity. Just then, by some kind of huge coincidence, Goody bursts into, the, into Edge's office in a superhero costume, explaining that he was tricked by employees in a different office into thinking he was meeting with a producer to star in a TV pilot. He uses the opportunity to beg Edge for a promotion outside of the research department, even offering to try reporting. Edge, who has come to the brilliantly thought-out decision that Goody must be killed, quickly comes up with a plan and gives Goody an assignment that could be a page one story. An hour later, Clark and Jimmy are outside Edge's office. Miss Conway explains that he has stepped out again, but has left an assignment slip for the reporters to cover a UFO landing in Crown Park. Soon, in Crown Park, the whiz wagon carrying Jimmy, Clark, and the Guardian makes a landing near the UFO. As they approach on foot, Goody exits the UFO. Hmm. Surprised to see him there, Clark asks Goody what he found inside. As Clark enters the UFO alone... Goody tells Jimmy and Guardian that basically all that he found were some buttons. To prove his point, he pushes the button, which causes the door to close, trapping Clark inside, and the UFO disappears in a flash of light. While Goody just kind of sits there shocked, trying to figure out what just happened, Jimmy and Guardian are attacked by armored stormtroopers. Eventually, Ugly Manheim makes himself known and takes Jimmy hostage to force Guardian to surrender. In other dimensional space... Clark, still in the UFO, tries to figure out how to escape. Flash to Edge's office, and Morgan Edge tells Mannheim to take care of the others while also fuming because UFO trap only caught Clark. At the project, the, the mini scrapper trooper picks the lock on a back door and the newsboys use an underground river to escape. At the Intergang Mobile Headquarters, Mannheim is forcing Jimmy, Guardian, and Goody to eat. When they finish, he reveals that their food contained pyrogranulate, which will cause their bodies to ignite within the next 24 hours. Then the three heroes are thrown out of the mobile headquarters. Okay, another interesting Kirby issue. I did have some problems with it, uh, so we're going to go into the negatives first. Um, I thought it was weird. Uh, of course, it makes sense because I don't think any of the character introductions we've had so far in this series have ever been mentioned before, but Goody has not been mentioned anywhere at all. Uh, yet four pinners, four pinners, four panels after his first mention, he just happens to barge into Edge's office. Also, if Edge is actively trying to get Don Rickles to sign with WGBS, how is it possible that he could forget that he has a man under his own employ that not only looks just like Don Rickles, but also chills him to the bone? You would think that would kind of make him stick out. Um, also, we see Gabby get a cold, uh, but we have yet to act, see him act sick at all in the past few issues. Uh, he does not seem to be sick at the start of this issue, but suddenly, boom, he's sick. 
And also, why are only the new boys in quarantine? Uh, Guardian and Jimmy and Superman, granted Superman's Kryptonian wouldn't be sick, but Superman, or, but Guardian and Jimmy um, had just been confined in a room with him. Uh, and he's also been all over the project the last few issues. So why are the only the newsboys in the quarantine? Also, probably my biggest gripe. Why in the world is Flippa Dippa still wearing his full scuba outfit, including the mask and flippers, under this under his hospital gown? If it's a quarantine, shouldn't they be like have him in either like in a hospital gown thing? Just, just the gown, like the others. <sighs> Maybe he's got a skin condition. Uh, also, the armored troopers that we saw attack Jimmy and Guardian. Um, they don't really look armored. They look like they're just wearing a t-shirt, some shorts, gloves, boots, and a helmet. Uh, but since their legs are colored brown while their arms and faces make them appear to be Caucasian, they may have some kind of pants on under the shorts. But the artwork and the colors just don't support the armored theory. I mean, he, I mean literally, they just look like... If it, if it is armor, that's the thinnest armor I've ever seen. But, on the plus side, uh, this was actually a really fun story uh, that, again, sets up a lot of stuff for our heroes, uh, puts them in terrible situations where you really can't immediately see how they're going to get out. I mean, we've got Jimmy and Guardian and Gabby, or not Gabby, and Goody, all about to explode in the next 24 hours. And we've got Clark in a UFO in, out in another dimension uh, that he really... Can't, probably can't figure out how to escape from without showing any Superman, and he probably doesn't feel comfortable doing that at this point, considering this was a trap. So, he, I mean, there could be cameras. We'll have to see next issue. Um, I, I also thought it was pretty cool because we got to see more of Kirby's funny side. Uh, the character of Goody Rickles, uh, which seems would like would be a bad idea just in theory, is actually pretty funny. Um, in fact, one of the uh, examples I've written down here is that um, after they, after Jimmy and the Guardian and Goody have been kidnapped by Intergang, uh, Jimmy and Guardian have guns to their backs and are being forced to actually eat the food. Goody, on the other hand, is complimenting Mannheim for feeding them so well and is so oblivious as to what's actually happening. There's not uh, that not only is he happy seemingly seemingly happy to be there, but the there's no troopers with guns trained on him at all. It's like he's because he's no danger. He's completely oblivious to what's going on around him and it's it's actually pretty funny when you when you excuse me, when you read it. Uh, as far as the art uh, it is cool that even though we're finally getting some quiet scenes, like in Edge's office and at the project, um, we still seem to have plenty of action in those scenes, too. It's just Kirby's got really cool art. Um, also, this time I noticed that after a few issues, issues of, actually, of only selectively inking the Jimmy heads, the only image of Jimmy that Murphy Anderson does not ink in this issue is Kurt Swan's rendition of Jimmy at the top of the letters page. So maybe someone was like got on gone on to him for miss for kind of skipping out on the last couple of issues. I don't know. But in any event, that's what happened. So I'm gonna play a quick promo or two and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Why, hello there, lovely ladies. May I just say that you look quite beautiful in your matching Slave Leia metal bikinis? You have permission to come aboard my den of nerd erotica. Some people would call it my mom's garage. I call it 10.1 forward. Can I interest you in a death stick? Nope. I was just kidding. Have a shot of trying it. Once you get loosened up, we can play a friendly game of strip fizzbin. Let me loosen that strap. Hey suckers, Maury Clawhammer here, okay? You want your freaking Star Wars? I got your Star Wars right here! What about the Star Trek? You like that too, right? Right? That's what I thought. Well, we got that and we got more freaking comics than you can read in your entire miserable damn life. Hey, there's even a girl who talks about unicorns and and Harry Potter and M... and M... The and Oriental cartoons with the big eyes. So you get your ass over to the Two True Freaks podcast at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, all right? All right? Good. You can get there on the internet and choose from hundreds of quality Two True Freaks podcasts. And would it kill you to buy a damn t-shirt? Remember, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of and more superman homepage.com okay now jemmy olsen number 40 is a bit of a difference i'm only going to mention it just because it's here and i don't want it to seem like we're skipping anything uh jemmy olsen number 140 uh is actually one of the a 64 page reprint uh, giant size reprint issue it was cover priced at 35 cents with a cover date of August, September 1971, it was put on sale on June 3rd, 1971. Uh, since it's all reprints, the editor on this was was E. Nelson Bridwell, who actually was the editor any time they did the all reprint issues. Uh, the cover was penciled by Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson, and other than a uh, an image in the center of the cover showing Superman standing with Jimmy Olsen, uh, in an outfit he hasn't worn the whole time Jack Kirby's been on the book because Jimmy's basically wearing the green suit and bow tie outfit that he's mostly known for from the Silver Age. Um, the re- other images on the cover basically tie into the splash images from the three stories reprinted inside. The three stories inside are uh, Invasion of the Mystery Superman from Superman number 158, which came out in January of 63. The Caped Crime Fighters of Candor, which was from Jimmy Olsen 69 in 1963, um, which, believe it or not, is not a reprint of the first adventure of, not, of Nightwing and Flamebird. It's one of the later ones, maybe the second, I'm not sure. Uh, and then the third story was The Doomed World the world of Doomed Olsons from Jimmy Olsen 72 with, uh, from October of 63. And actually, that one kind of looked cool because it looked like Jimmy was about to be attacked by uh, all the Jimmy Olsen transformations that have ha- that had happened up to that point. And there was 
Turtle Olsen, uh, or Turtle Boy Olsen, uh, Elastic Lad Olsen, uh, just, you know, all the others. It was pretty, that, that actually looked pretty cool on the image. But, um, obviously I'm not going to cover that because one, this doesn't have much to do with this story, with the stories we're going over. Second, it's all reprints. And third, um, well, I'm sure I have a third reason. I just can't remember it. So, without promos, we're just going to jump right into Jimmy Olsen number 141 with a cover date of September 71, released July 8, 1971, back to the 15th cent cover price. Uh, the cover on this one is by Jack Kirby and Neil Adams, and this time we see Jack, uh, Superman and Guardian coming at us, holding what appears to be just a round picture of... Don Rickles, and this time they actually use a Don Rickles photograph. It's black and white, but yeah. Uh, the background this time, instead of being the bright garish yellow, is actually kind of a... I don't know what you would call that. It's kind of a brown cover color. Um, depending on how you look at it. Where the heck is the cover? There it is. Uh, it's not really brown. It's actually a, a dark purplish brown. Um, and you've got Jimmy and Goody Rickles in the background follow, uh, running right along behind them uh, with a sign on the top that says, Kirby says, don't ask, just buy it. Uh, and it actually says in the cor bottom corner, Rushing towards the greatest climax ever seen in comic books. So we'll see if it lives up to that. And I lied. Uh, this is actually the first issue of Jimmy that came out uh, when they did the uh, price increase. So the book is actually 25 cents, but it's 48 pages now, uh, which means that now there's a backup story. And I will get to that in once I finish with the main story of this title. What else I like about this cover is that since Neil Adams is doing the inking, we actually get a full-on Kirby-esque cover. Even Jimmy and Superman's heads still retain a little Kirby-ness to them, but Neil Adams makes them more on-model so as not to upset the powers that be at DC. So that's cool, and of course, I think Neil Adams really helps to improve and bring a little more real... Uh, make Kirby's pencils look a little more realistic, but that's just me. Uh, the title of this story uh, is Will the Real Don Rickles Panic? Written, penciled, and edited by Jack Kirby, inked by Vinny Coletta, and the Superman and Jimmy Olsen heads were done by, again, Murphy Anderson. So, we begin our story with Clark still stuck in that UFO, which is still flying through the strange other universal galaxy. Suddenly, Clark notices what appears to be a beam of light flying through space. Uh, as he sees that it's actually man inside the light, he notices that, appear that it appears to be heading straight for the UFO. In Metropolis, Guardian tells Jimmy and Goody to head to the WGBS building to get help, while he goes after Intergang to try to get an antidote against the pyrogranulate. At the WGBS building, Don Rickles has arrived, and is immediately mobbed by the employees, only to be saved by Morgan Edge and Miss Conway. As they lead Rickles into Edge's office, the men begin to haggle over a contract. Back in that other universe, the Man of Light actually flies into the UFO without damaging the ship and introduces himself as Light Ray. He tells Clark that the ship is heading to Apocalypse and offers to save him. 
Clark has heard of Apocalypse, and it's Master Darkseid, thanks to Forever People Number One, from some strange kids he met on Earth. See Forever People Number One. When Lightray points out that some of Darkseid's parademons are heading towards the ship, Clark quickly accepts Lightray's offer of help. On Earth, Jimmy and Goody are on a bus to WGBS when the other writers begin to become annoyed at Goody's inability to shut up. This upsets Goody, and his anger causes smoke to come out of his pores. So Jimmy quickly calms him down as we cut the Guardian who has to use who has used the rooftops to catch up to and overtake Intergang's mobile HQ. He enters through an air vent on the roof and deflects fire blast and blaster fire with his shield. Mannheim brings in more troops to fight Guardian. Don't know where they're coming from since they're in a mobile unit, but whatever. At Morgan Edge's office, Goody and Jimmy interrupt the contract talks to ask Edge for help. As Edge calls for the bomb squad, Don and Goody finally get to meet, with Goody driving Don crazy. Suddenly, both Jimmy and Goody begin to burst into flame, which doesn't hurt them, but does make them very weak. So Edge sends Don Rickles into another room for safety, just as Guardian bursts in through a window. He quickly goes to Edge's office and gives Jimmy and Goody the antidote, explaining that he has already taken it, which is why he wasn't already on fire. He then tells them that Mannheim and his men have been arrested and that this little adventure seems to be over. Don, who seems to be crapping, crapping, cracking up at this point, comes back in to take a seat now that things are back to normal, but is suddenly rocked by a boom tube opening behind him. It is Clark, who has been sent home via boom tube by Light Ray. So Clark and Jimmy decide to use this opportunity to talk to Edge about what's been going on, but suddenly the bomb squad breaks into the office. After Edge explains that they're no longer needed, they turn to leave, but Don Rickles shouts that it's that he's the bomb and tells them to take him away as he makes ticking sounds. And that's the end of that adventure. Um, so, uh, I thought Kirby's art was really good this issue, uh, but after all this time of seeing DNA aliens and forearm terrors, and the Guardian, and the Newsboys, and Jimmy, and Superman, and uh, Outsiders, and the uh, Mountain of Judgment. This is really the first time we've actually seen these characters in what is quote-unquote the real world. And unfortunately, a lot of it looked like I was it just, just like I was reading a 60s Marvel book, especially with the bus scene. Uh, not just because of the fact that it's Kirby's art, but after... All these weird characters and all the experimental, psychedelic, photo manipulation artwork that Kirby's been doing. The people on this bus, between their hairstyles and their clothing, look like refugees from an old issue of Fantastic Four. Uh, it looks very 60s. It looks like it could have been a panel that, in any number of Marvel books from the 60s. So it, it's not a complete knock. I mean, they still look good, but it just... It just kind of was like a step back. It kind of messes, I don't know. It kind of just threw me off. Um, the plus side, though, um, I did like the story. The pacing was actually pretty good, considering all the stuff that happened. Like last issue, there was quite a bit crammed in here without it feeling crammed. And um, the character interactions were cool. Guardian finally got to do some solo action, even though most of it occurred off-panel. But it was nice to actually see Guardian 
doing stuff except besides getting hit by Jimmy Hulk. We get to see Superman meet Light Ray for the first time, which is really cool. Um, especially since the first time I ever read this story was shortly after Light Ray died, so that was weird. Um, oh, spoiler alert, he, he dies in Countdown. Uh, which reminds me, make sure you listen to uh, Stephen Lacey's 20-minute long box, where he covers Countdown issue number 48, and I believe it was his third episode, and that's the story where Light Ray dies, so... I would check that out. And um, it was nice to get a break from the Newsboys this issue because they're not even mentioned. Because they've been getting kind of whiny lately and it'd be kind of been getting kind of a, a little bit annoying with the whole idea that, um, you know, they wanted to be in on everything even though they're kids and then they throw a huge hissy fit when they couldn't. So it's nice to kind of leave them out of the story for a little bit. And I, and it, yeah. And that's about it. So, uh, thank you again for downloading this episode. Next week, we'll switch back to the regular Superman books and take a look at the issues with a July 1972 cover date, uh, which will be Superman number 254 and Action Comics 414. So, you all have a great week, and I'll see you then. And here's Angie. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.fortressofbailey2.com slash supermanpodcastnetwork, where new episodes are posted weekly. Episodes are also posted at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com and supermanhomepage.com. You can also subscribe to this show via RSS feed and iTunes. All images, characters, and music used in the show are for entertainment purposes only. No money is made by the show. Superman is created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in the Superman DC publications.